All right, Dave, I got a question for you. Are you ready? Let's hear it. All right. Are the 2023 Oakland Athletics the worst team you've ever seen in the four major sports? Um, they're definitely up there. I don't, the, the, uh, what was it? The 20, like 14 or 13 Sixers, the process. Mm, the nine, and, nine, games. Yeah, nine and 73. Yeah. Yeah. They won like, yeah, they won like nine you games. Them, that was, you have the seven and 59 Bobcats. You have obviously the winless Browns and the winless Lions. Um, I can't think of one in the NHL that really stands out as that god awful of our lifetime. Well, the um, Sabres were really bad for a while. Yeah, they were. I would say, oh, don't forget the was it the two thousand three Tigers? They were horrible. Well, the, the Tigers have the record for most for worst record in one hundred sixty two game season. But and I thought that was the oh right because the Mets only played one hundred sixty one games that year because they went forty and one twenty and one in nineteen sixty two. But the yeah, Tigers are like, what was it, like 113 losses or whatever it was? They had 43 wins, yeah. 43 wins, that'd be 119. 43 in one night, that is so bad. That's so bad. Yeah, you have to... That was Mike Moroth, right? Didn't he yeah. lose like 15 games? He, well, I'll, say, I'll tell you what right now. Mike Moroth was 9-21 and 21 that year. He's the last 20-game loser in baseball. And I thought... Probably the last ever. But, I don't know if you saw this, Dave. You see about this? You read about this? Jordan Lyles is 0-9 already. Yeah, and they've lost, like, 13 straight starts he's had or something. And, like, he's 0-9, and I don't know if he's going to pitch again before the end of May, but if he doesn't, he's going to pitch the first couple days of June. So if he keeps that pace up, you might see another 20-game loser if he doesn't get cut or traded or waived, but you never know. You never know. He won't get DFA'd or anything because the Royals have to pay him no matter what, so they're like, we may as well just pitch him. Right. Well, even the A's DFA at Jesus Aguilar, so you never know. Um, Brandon Maxwell, our our co-host with the co-most, welcome in. Hello, hello. Brandon, are the twenty twenty three A's the worst of the North for the four major North American sports leagues? The worst team you've seen in your entire life? I mean, I don't know if you could say that yet, but they're definitely in that bottom rung. Um, as far as seasons go. Um, I think you could make an argument that they're one of the most pathetic, just considering um, like they had that game a couple weeks ago where they sold like 2,070 tickets or something like that, which was their lowest ticket sales in about 45, 50 years or so, um, which is pretty insane. And you also think about the relevance that the A's had, mm-hmm. uh, not only through its history, but like, like five years ago. Um, and it's insane to see how quickly they've fallen and uh, the self-sabotage. So... I don't know if I can necessarily say they're definitively the worst, but they're definitely one of the most pathetic for sure. And either way, they're in that bottom category. Well, I'll tell you what. I tweeted this the other day, but the 62 Mets, who I said, like I said, 120 losses, that's the most by a team since the modern era in a season. They were, I believe, 16-39 and 39 through 55 games. The A's were 10-45 and 45 through 55 games. So the A's are six games worse currently than the 62 Mets were at this point. I have to look at the Tigers, because I know they were pretty much god-awful the entire season. Um, but yeah, it's pretty bad. I think I think you were spot on there, Brandon. I think you got to wait till the end of the year to officially proclaim it, but they are well on their way, and uh, it is more than by design. So, you know, it's unfortunate for their fans, because they're, you know, they would like to have a team that cares as much about them as they do about the team, and also, they have some of the best uniforms in baseball, and they're just 
not doing them justice right now. So that's a uh, that's a lot of air we just gave to the Oakland Athletics. Um, but we last month uh, announced. Sorry, sorry, yep. What's what's saddest about it all is like this is the most that there's been to talk about with the A's yeah. for the past couple of years. It's true. I mean, Jesus Aguilar, like what I just said, you know, they DFA'd him, and he's, like, one of the most expensive players they have, and he's making, like, $3 million. Like, it's just, it's it really is sad that the most we've had to talk about for them is how bad they've been, and it's just a shame. You know, the fans deserve so much better, and they have some talented players on the team. You know, Ruiz has been this base-stealing revelation, and he's been... Pretty much the only category that they're going to end the year in. And a positive category is if he keeps it up, they'll have the league leader in steals. Yeah. So that's, literally, that's literally it. No, he's on pace for, at least the last I checked, he was on pace for something like 80 stolen bases, which would be the first one to do that in several years. But, you know, they have some good players, and I'm, you know, I hope that those guys, you know, they keep around to some degree or they find new homes or something like that. But, you know, it's just, it's tough. And right now they're tied with the Braves. So, you know, <laughs> things happen. But... Yeah, last month we uh, we officially announced Brandon as the uh, the third host of the show, and then we promptly went on a one month hiatus because <laughs> we all got really busy. Um, but we are back with our uh, our unfortunate, unfortunately premature Celtic postmortem to start it off, and then we'll do a little quick uh, roundup of the state of Boston sports in their entirety and um, preview. They're not good. <laughs> the state of things here are not are not great. Um, but let's start, again, unfortunately, early this year with uh, the Boston Celtics, who furiously came back from a 3-0 deficit, only to lose in really true 2022-23 Boston Celtics fashion in Game 7 at home. It was not particularly close most of the game. Uh, they had runs here and there, made it closer, gave up runs. Really, it came down to Jason Tatum hurting himself in the first play of the game. Robert Williams was sick. I mean, the Heat had their own problems, so we didn't really see either team at full health, which is unfortunate, but um, Celtics losing seven. Their season is over. Uh, Dave, what was uh, what's what's your, now that we've had a little over, maybe not a little over a day, but almost a day exactly to sit on it, uh, what are your what are your takeaways here? Um, I think first thing people have to do is take a step back. Uh, because it's definitely easy to look at the team and say, well, what the hell? What happened to Jalen? What happened to Tatum? Why didn't Al shoot better? What about Rob? Why didn't he play more? Why didn't Brogdon play better? Um, you know, there's you can go down the line. Why did Pritchard play some of those minutes? Hauser played in really weird spots. What's with the defense? Why are there no adjustments at certain periods? There's just a lot of blame to go around when a team that has the expectations that they did this year doesn't meet them and falls to a team that's clearly inferior. And that doesn't mean that that takes away from the heat. Like, they beat the Celtics fair and square at the at their own place by 20 points. So you kind of just have to look in the mirror and accept kind of what went wrong here, which is there's a lot of things that went wrong. Uh, you know, you just... For Game 7 specifically, you start with Tatum rolling his ankle right away. That kind of knocks him out of the game. Need Jalen to step up as the second-best player. Has eight turnovers and shoots just an absolutely brutal performance. 
not really much from Smart to speak about. Um, I think he had like 11 points or nine points after having 15 to 20 for a few games. Uh, nothing really from the bench. Joe didn't really go very deep into the bench, obviously game seven, but at a certain point, you're kind of trying to spark an offense. Didn't really do that. Trust to just ride his guys. Played Brogdon for some reason, and he looked progressively worse every time he got on the floor of the series and capping it off with that horrendous game seven performance. And I feel bad for him because he was clearly hurt. He's trying his best, but at a certain point as a coach, you have to make the decision that he can't play anymore because he's hurt. He just can't do anything for you. He's trying his best. He just got nothing left. His tendon is bothering. He can't shoot. Uh, and he were leaving him open and he was more than willing to take them. So I don't know. You, you go down the line and I know people are going to say, a lot about their window and it, whether it's closing, whether it's open. You have two guys in their 20s. The window's open. Um, the role players are what's going to constantly kind of change here. We we saw a healthy season from Brogdon, something we none of us thought we'd see. Al's another year older. Rob has another year of more mileage on his body, which didn't really go very well again this year. Um, Grant probably gone. The bench is going to look a lot different, I think, more like more than likely going to need more minutes out of Hauser. You're going to need more minutes out of the younger guys that they end up getting in the draft or free agency or however they come across that. And uh, Smart, another year of extra miles on his body. It's just there's a lot of stuff going through your head, and you just kind of have to take a step back and and realize, although it's disappointing, I said this to Jake the other night, there's 26 other teams that would swap with you in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Probably the Lakers would too because they have two superstars that – are on the wrong side of their careers, so yeah. And I think I think, that's gonna leave it. I think I think you know most. I agree with pretty much everything that you said. I mean, yeah, it's. I think you know we can get into it a little bit more, but at the end of the day, I think that the simplest solution is probably the one you end up going with. And while you know you mentioned uh, you've mentioned a few times the past couple of days, Dave, the CBA is going to make it difficult. Pretty much what you have to do is you take the two guys who were all NBA this year, you keep them around, and you build around them because they are 25 and 26. And, yeah, they're not kids anymore. I get it. But a lot of the superstars don't win their rings until, like, 27, 28, 29. So you just keep developing them. You bring in guys around the margins, and you run it back. The Eastern Conference, still not particularly fearsome. I mean, you got guys who are really good. You got the, you know, the MVP this year. You got Giannis, which is great. Um, but things are still very open in the East. You are still, I think, the best team in the conference. And I think you just you don't run it back with the same roster, which because that's impossible. But you take those two guys and you build around them. I mean, this is not it's not rocket science. I'm not a head coach. I get it, but. I think it'd be. I think Joe could benefit from a full off-season free of controversy, um, to work with the guys and kind of go from there. I, I think, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's tough to swallow, but you know, you move on and you go from. I mean, hey, the Heat were in the same spot last year. They lost. They came back and they have a, a less impressive roster than you do. I know they just beat the Celtics, and that's hard to say, but they do. So. I don't know. I think, you know, Brandon, switching to you, I think the word you used earlier was uh, numb. So uh, building on that, how are you uh, How are you holding up after the, the Celtics 
failing to show up last night? I mean, it sucks. Uh, I uh, I had the confidence that they were going to win, but I'm not surprised that they completely crumbled like this. Something that they've done a lot of. Um, but as far as moving guys, things like that go, uh, I agree. I think they should definitely keep the team together. I think it'd be, even still, it'd be acting hastily and it'd be a mistake to, you know, do, rush into a move now, especially when, you know, I don't think the grass is necessarily greener with any of the ideas that people have been throwing out there. Um, I will say I don't think the, the East is – I think the East is very fearsome. I think that they're – I mean, the Heat just proved it. Um, we have an eight seed that has the dog in them to take down all of these teams. And uh, there's some good teams in the mix in the middle there too. Um, I think there's going to be some teams that make some moves this offseason as well that could shake things up a little bit, whether it's the Raptors, the Knicks, teams like that that are kind of uh, – you know, a bit on the fringe. I, I should say the Knicks more than the Raptors in that case, but uh, some interesting things that are going to be going on in the conference. Um, one thing I'll say that I'm I'm happy about with the Celtics getting these few wins is that a lot of people have been getting off Missoula's back for, for some things, and I do think he deserves a lot of criticism for, for a lot, especially like timeouts, rotations, things like that. But I think people were putting a lot on his plate a lot on his shoulders that like didn't really have anything to do with him. Um, I mean, this team the whole season, I mean, you got to hit those threes. You got They had plenty of open shots that they just completely bricked from all seven games. Even the games they were winning, they didn't necessarily shoot great um, compared to what they've been doing all year. Um, and it came to bite them in the ass. I think that, you know, as far as what they go into next year for changes, for one, you definitely need to build out Missoula's staff because you kind of had a skeleton crew this year with uh, – Obviously, Ime left. You had Damon Stoudemire leave in the middle of the year. You had Will Hardy leave. Um, and then you have some of the guys on the on the um, staff this year who apparently Ime has told them that they can get jobs with the, the Rockets. So we might be seeing, you know, one or two of those guys leaving on top of that. So there's going to be some turnaround with the staff. I think the biggest thing is trying to find some consistency there because there's been so much turnaround with the coaching staff. Another reason why I think you can't get rid of Joe Mazzula at this point and I mean, the thing that people just always forget, which drives me crazy, is, like, he literally found out he was the head coach the day before the season started. So you have to give him some credit for getting to this point and also give him somewhat of some leeway that he'll make it better with, the actual, with an actual offseason to prepare yeah. and some actual time knowing what he's getting himself into versus being thrust in that position at the last minute um, and in kind of a very rushed pace. So if he's doing these same things next year, you know, that's when you can obviously start having those conversations. But up until then, I think he deserves another shot because I think overall he had a very successful season. And, you know, issues aside, you don't go to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals and win, you know, 56, 57 games in a season with a bad coach. Um, obviously, again, lots to improve on that end. And then as far as what I want to see the biggest change in the season go into – I'm fully confident giving Jalen his bag, but, like, bro, only thing you should be doing this offseason is fucking dribbling. That's literally it. I love Jalen. Huge fan of Jalen. I'm not someone who trashes his game at all. I respect the way he plays. I also respect his accountability after the fact. He said, you know, he failed. He said he 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 takes it upon himself. All of the right things he absolutely, you know, took the ownership there. But um, it's been two playoffs in a row where – you know, he's just having ungodly amounts of turnovers. And he doesn't do this during the regular season. Yeah. So he's got to figure out how to manage himself in the playoffs, how to just be a better ball handler overall. 
because he could still use the better skills. Um, and just, you know, playing within himself versus trying to do way too much. And that's kind of, I get it to a certain extent because Tatum got hurt so early in the game and you got to take over. But there is also plenty of times where you just wanted to say, bro, calm down. Just like take an extra second. And, yeah. and a lot of these situations could be avoided. But unfortunately, I mean, that's how game sevens go, especially when you got a team like the Heat constantly applying pressure. Um, yeah. But yeah, as far as you guys say, I agree, you know, keep things together as much as you possibly can and and um, go forward with a full staff and a full offseason to prepare and know, you know, exactly what you're getting yourself into. You know, you got two old NBA players at this point. Let's build upon that and make sure that they're, you know, even better and even more prepared for next year because there's absolutely no reason we should have lost to the Heat. That's just bags. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's absolutely correct. I mean, I think just you know, the, the social media culture we live in that's so reactionary, you know, that's the reason you have the, the people saying, you know, trade Jalen after game three and after game seven. It was all, you know, trade, trade Jalen, trade Jalen. You know, he, you know, they need to get serious and build a, like a real contender. And I'm like, so here, here's the thing is, A, Jalen was probably their best player in the Atlanta series, if we're being real. Secondly, I guess B rather, B was like three weeks ago, we were praying like, everybody was praying Jalen Brown made All-NBA so they could give him the Supermax, he could stay around, and it was, you know, it was all about, you know, this is a big day for the future of the Boston Celtics, and then he has another bad playoff series, and that's it. They want to run him out of town. And I'm like, okay, well, I understand that people are frustrated. I understand that he did not play well in Game 7. That's fine. He picked a bad night to have a bad night. Sometimes that just happens. I know it sucks that it happened on that stage, but sometimes that just happens. And at the end of the day, I still think you are better. I don't, I don't think. I know you're better with him and Tatum together. Then I, I don't even know. I don't know what people are thinking in terms of trade packages. But in my opinion, if you're going to say they need to trade Jalen to get better, you need to give me a trade that actually is going to make them better. And spoiler, there's not many that are going to make them better and that involve trading a second-team All-NBA player. Um, unless you're somehow finagling Giannis out of Milwaukee, I don't think it's really going to, you know, th- there's a very, very few guys where you could convince funny me that, thing, whole, what was it? The funniest thing about some of these trades, too, yeah. is that, like, they're not even possible with the CBA a lot no. of the time, like, like, stuff like that. But exactly like you said, the thing I despise the most about basketball media, like, so, so much is how reactionary it is. Like, literally from one game to the next, you'll hear people who are, like, adamantly speaking about one topic completely switch up. Like, completely switch up. And that's, like, all it is, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, and it's just, it's, you know, it's this way with Tatum, too. You know, everybody was coming out with the, oh, he's soft, always oh, this, always oh, that. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I, I, I first of all, I really, I hate that term. And I don't, I, I, you know, I've really come to not like it over the years. I think it's pretty silly. You, you're not, you're not that player. You're not in his shoes. You're not out there trying to grind in a game seven through what is probably really uncomfortable pain and you know anguish out on the court. It's tough. Um, trying to get that burst and trying to get up on shots with an ankle that's swelling every second. Trust me, not very fun. I know a lot about swelling with hemophilia. It's not a lot of fun. Um, 
So I give him credit for staying out there and trying to fight through it. Like, you know, like Dave said, like you feel bad for the guy because you know it's going to fall on his shoulders, even though Jalen was the one who played the worst by far. But, yeah, at the end of the day, your first team All-NBA, it falls on your shoulders, and I'm sure he's okay with that. He'll build off that. But, you know, going at a guy and saying, you know, he's got these false aspirations because he couldn't show up when he's hurt. Like, everybody's different, man. I don't know what to tell you. You, you can say whatever you want, but at the end of the day, Jason Tatum is the reason they got this far. They had a lot of guys who played well, and he had some bum games for sure. But he has shown up, except for, I guess, last night when he was hurt, because well, I guess we'll never know if he was healthy what would have happened last night. But generally in elimination games, the guy shows up and shows out. So it's, it's just a shame to see people. And Missoula, you know, to a lesser extent, because he deserved a lot of the criticism he got. But the guy coached the Eastern Conference, well, I guess on whatever team, whatever he coached. He coached in the All-Star game, whatever it's called these days. He coached in the All-Star game this year. He led the Celtics to, what was there, 57 wins, whatever it was. And you, you don't get there just by luck. You know, you, you have to have some coaching acumen to get that far. And it's just a shame. It, it really is a shame to see some fans, and I don't think this is a majority of them. I really hope it's not. But just to see fans who just, their first reactions to turn on the players and the coaches, instead of being like, all right, well, that sucked, but they still had some, you know, some nice highlights this year. They had two guys make the All-NBA team. You, they're still pretty young players. I know they're not, you know, 18 or 19 anymore, but you have guys who are still entering their prime. Let's Let's remember that, you know. Even the all-time greats weren't in their prime by 24, 25, at least not in the past 40 years. You know, they're not Michael Jordan, all right? We'll give them that. But sometimes, you know, in, in this culture of reactionary people and, you know, reactionary minds, you want instant gratification. And every year that doesn't end in the title is a failure. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound too much like Giannis on this, because I, I think, you know, I, I agree and disagree with some of what he said. But, yeah, losing in the first round, that probably is more of a failure. But, you know, you got within a breath of the finals for back-to-back years. Things happen. Games don't go your way. You shouldn't lose three games to start a series. That's probably a, a, one of the morals they should take from this season. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think people need to kind of take some time to calm down, log off the social media. Stop, uh, you, you, you know, you don't have to tweet everything. It's, uh, believe it or not, you don't have to do that. Um, still checking the bylaws on that, but I'm pretty sure you don't have to tweet everything that comes to your mind. And just let it breathe for a couple days and move on to next year. That's all you can do. You complaining about Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum is not going to change the fact they're not going to the finals. So, there's that. But Dave, I don't know what other... What other initial thoughts you have? I mean, I guess we're pretty much on the Jalen Brown topic right now, but and I think we've all pretty much said our piece. But um, yeah, I, I guess what moves around the margins do the Celtics make? Like, what what is there anybody in mind that they could go after? I know there's one person in mind we both we all thought of, but that's going to be probably impossible because of the CBA. Um, but I guess what are some of the moves that you would make, Dave, or some of the moves you consider? Well, I think. First, you have to kind of take a glance at your roster and decide who wants to be here and who you need. Uh, you extended Al for $10 million a year for three years. He is going to need to play less games and less minutes this year than he did in the past. 
and I don't think they managed him effectively enough. They did a good job cutting his minutes, but I think it needs to be more substantial. Because I think you saw after the Embiid series, he just had nothing really this series. He really wasn't that great. Maybe another maybe another backup big that isn't Mike Mascala, Luke Cornett, or Blake Griffin. That might be a start. Yeah, I mean they need they need frontline help. And those three guys, you'll probably see Luke back. Maybe you'll see Blake. I don't know. Uh, both those guys would be kind of end of the bench, late camp ads because no one's really going to be competing with you for them. Uh, Muscala probably gets a job elsewhere. I don't know. I, I think you you probably have to improve your wing depth uh, because when Tatum and Brown weren't on the floor, they couldn't decide who they wanted to go to. Grant's probably gone. So you're going to need to have that smaller big to kind of go to as like a more athletic shooter type. So you're going to need to really invest in that wing position, which is kind of what Grant is known as, even though he's, he plays the big spot. And again, I think I think guard is kind of a sneaky need here because I, I think Jalen, you probably consider a two, but Tatum's probably a three, three slash four. But then you have Brogdon, who's got injury issues. He's He's on the wrong side of 30. You have Marcus Smart, who has a lot of mileage on him. And then you don't have a whole lot else. You have Derek White. And White is not a point guard. So you just don't really have a lot of guard depth there. I know people will talk about the depth is so good. And, I mean, it is. You have three really good guards to play when you divide those minutes. But you saw with Brogdon, like, when you take him out of the equation, you're left with what you had last year, which is not enough. You need more people off the bench. So... I don't know, maybe you trade Pritchard for something because as much as Missoula likes to type him up, he clearly doesn't trust him. Put him on the floor in the playoffs and basically try to tell the team to keep the ball away from him, it seemed like. He just kind of sat in the corner and he'd run up to try to get the ball and no one give it to him. So I don't know what the deal is there. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I I think your two, your two big additions probably would be wing and maybe big. I know you get Gallinari back next year, but realistically... I just don't see anything he's going to offer that's going to help you long-term. Like, he's a really good shooter, but he's a sieve defensively. And at this stage in his career, coming off a knee injury, I just don't know how much he gives you off the bounce. He's almost just like a spot-up shooter. And I just don't know if that's going to be good enough. Like, you have Hauser for that. And I just don't know what that's going to give you. That might be the guy you package to try to get someone to fill out your bench. Again, we don't know... We don't know what the CBA is going to be like as far as spending for the Celtics. We think they're in the second tax. Going to really limit them in 2024. Um, but again, and it's we we just don't know. We don't know a lot of answers right now. And I think the number one answer that Brad's going to have to get is how much are we willing to spend on this team? Because that's going to be the de- the decision. Because if you're going to trade Jalen Brown. It should only be because the ownership doesn't want to pay him, which is the wrong decision. But we can't control that. So I'll tell you what, it's gonna look that, it's gonna look real bad for Wake Grosbeck if he goes on the radio like every week and he's like, "Yeah, I'll spend whatever, I'll spend whatever," and then they don't to keep their all NBA yeah, guy. <laughs> it's like these like you spend your whole career trying to get wings that can score the ball and play defense. Yeah. Now again, Jalen's defense has been a real issue. And I know people are going to deny that, and they're going to point to tracking stats. And but he just loses he loses 
vision and loses focus too much on defense. And I think for a guy that started out much better defensively than Tatum, Tatum's actually surpassed him by quite a bit at this point. Yeah. And I think there's there's some current concerns about his defense, but he is still, to me, someone you invest in, and he's part of your future. It's not someone you trade. It's not someone you, uh, you like, sabotage or you send out or you say how much you hate him or... Look, he has stuff he needs to work on. His handling needs to get better. He needs to be a better passer. He needs to be a better playmaker. That stuff probably doesn't change that much because of where he's in his career at this point. I think like six or seven years in the league, probably not going to change much at this point of his career. But uh, the turnovers need to come down. And the the, the, the overall decision-making from shot selection to passes to knowing time and game and um, possessions – that stuff needs to improve. So I don't know if that's film study with him, if that's just kind of watching what he did, watching some of his games and trying to pick out what he likes, what he didn't like. But overall, Jalen is someone you invest in, just like Tatum, just like Rob was. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what they come out with for that. But it's going to be up to Wick, really. It's going to be up to Wick and Steve Paliuka and Rich, Rich Gotham. We'll, we'll see. Brandon, what do you think? Um, about what Jalen or just moves for the, I would say, yeah, generally general, general moves for the, uh, for the future. Um, I mean, I don't really know what, what there is to do exactly on the roster side of things. Cause pretty much the whole team's locked up. I'm pretty sure Mascala has like, he's either signed next year. Or he has a team option or something like that. Team, team option. Yeah. So, I mean, they could just up and keep him too. Um, I mean, I think Pritchard's probably getting traded just because, I mean, it would make sense, especially considering him wanting more playing time and how all that would fit together, even though I would like to keep him just because insurance for, you know, a situation like if Brogdon goes down. But then again, I mean, he didn't really play much this year. So if we can maximize his value and get someone where maybe a big or something like that, where they'd be getting more minutes, then that would be helpful. Um, as far as things go with Al, um, I mean, obviously his shooting sucked in the playoffs. His defense was excellent, so... I'm still confident in him, but as far as getting him less minutes, I mean, I think that'll only help. Um, I think one thing that's big is, I mean, Rob missed basically half of the season. He was limited minutes for half the games he played, so he did miss a ton, a big chunk of the season. And, I mean, hopefully he'll be able to take some more of those minutes now, but regardless, I want another big to go alongside him because you need some injury insurance from that too. So, you know, if they could get like a, a solid backup big, like a number three, and then maybe um, some form of uh, a guard, a guard depth. Um, that'd be nice. I mean, a guy like Josh Richardson. I'm trying to think of like realistic targets. He could be a guy who maybe you ask to come back here. Did pretty well when he was a Celtic. He he can play defense. He can shoot decent. He's not a great shooter. He's not great at anything, honestly. But good team guy, and seems like he you know fit in well enough on that end. Um, I am confident in this team. Like I, I basically. Ever since JT and JV got put together, I've fully been in the group. But like, I've never once wavered on wanting to break them up for a second. Like, not even yesterday. There's zero percent of me that wants to to take apart what's what the potential is of there to be of they, them to have together. Uh, and John Hollinger, not my favorite, but he actually tweeted something out the other day too that uh, you can kind of look at for perspective. And obviously, not comparing the Celtics to the Bulls at all, but. Um, Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan, they were uh, 26 and 25 respectively. 
in the Eastern Conference Finals. They got their ass beat by 19, and then they went on to start winning championships and whatnot. So maybe you need, uh, like, the Warriors one, you, know, you were hoping that'd be the punch in the teeth that kind of knocks them forward. Um, but, I mean, this was, <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing, this was definitely a punch in the mouth. So yeah. hopefully the reality check is something that gives them a, uh, something to, to give them that extra edge going forward because maybe, that's really a lot of difference. Maybe you it's need just, to go backwards to go forwards. Think uh, of it that way. I mean, it's all, every issue that the Celtics have is always self-inflicted. Uh, sure. I mean, especially the turnovers. Uh, yeah. There, So many of them had nothing to do with what the Heat were doing. It's just, you know, why would you decide to just randomly travel at this moment in time? Like, uh, I mean, you could think of so many examples when there was a play that could have completely changed the momentum and they screwed it up um whether it was Jalen's turnovers marcus's turnovers on um, you know Derek white had that really bad travel on that layup attempt at the start of i think the fourth mm-hmm. or, or something or at the end of the third something like that tatum had that missed layup at the start of the fourth start of the third and the start of the fourth they both gave up like immediate threes to the heat within like 10 seconds of the shot clock um so just stuff like that they really need to get their defensive identity back too yeah. They can just rely on the defense more. Obviously, you want the shooting to go down, but consistent defensive identity, I think that's what's going to take things forward for them. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still in the mindset of run it back, add some pieces where you can. But um, this was definitely a year where you feel kind of cheated out in terms of there is so much more expected of them. Well, luckily, the Celtics were the only team in Boston this year Eliminated by an inferior South Florida franchise. Wait, wait, no, they weren't. Um, let's 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 touch quickly on the other three teams here. The other three uh, major major franchises here in the New England sports Boston sports uh, arena. Let's start with their uh, their co TD Garden denizens, the Boston Bruins, who had the greatest regular season in the history of the NHL and followed that up by blowing a 3-1 lead to the Florida Panthers, who are in the Stanley Cup Finals now. So, Dave, real quick, does it make you feel better knowing you lost to the Eastern Conference champions? Uh, to be honest, no. <laughs> uh, I feel just as shitty knowing who wins and who loses as I did if they didn't win or lose, because, uh, to me, my opinion drops off once the, my team loses. Yeah. At that point, I no longer care who beat us and who is winning or what series or how many games, who wins the MVP. I just think that that is just a load of shit because people are trying to make themselves feel better, which if it does, I really hope it works for you, but <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I have, a, I have trouble caring as well. Um, and I also, I'm not really a big fan of the whole, like, well, they beat you, so you should really root for them. Cause then it may, like you said, like, it'll make you feel better if they get farther. I'm like, no, no, it won't. Cause then I think the Bruins could have beaten those teams too. <laughs> like, it doesn't make me feel better to know that. I think it would have made me feel better if they won the series, personally. Um, if they could have closed in the last 30 seconds of Game 7, it would have made me feel a lot better. Um, we're not going to even bother getting into all the... I mean, if you thought the, the cap was was, uh, an, in, was a, an interesting, convoluted debate topic for the Celtics, uh, you wouldn't even want to start talking about it for the Bruins. Because um, it, it has the potential to be a real mess for them, uh, trying to keep together these guys, whether... Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci or whoever comes back for another season because do they really want to let it end this way? It's like LeBron saying he's going to retire. Like, I mean, maybe on the same level, but it's like LeBron saying, no, I'm going to retire after getting swept. Like, really? Do you really think it's going to happen? 
Like, do you think Bergeron really won't give it one more shot and let it end that way? Um, just suck a little more this year. Don't don't win the President's Cup again. Just, like, suck a little bit this year. Just, like, have a good year, not a great year. Have medium expectations and then make a run like the Panthers did. Just let that happen. Um, switching gears to let's talk about the other team that's not playing right now. Uh, Brandon, the New England Patriots, um, they are, they are a franchise still this year. Um, what are you looking, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. It's so far away still. It's like three months away from actual relevant football. And I don't count the preseason as relevant football. Um, but I guess like, I, I guess let me, uh, I'll say it this way, Brandon, what, what do you think is the biggest storyline surrounding the Patriots right now? Is it their... I think underrated defense is it the fact that they still don't really seem to be committed to Mac Jones that's a prove it year for him do you think it's Bill O'Brien do you think it's DeAndre Hopkins do you think it's D-Hop think it's D-Hop coming to New England maybe by the time this is released who knows if he's, maybe he signs here by tomorrow morning you never know but Brandon what 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 really stands out to you about the uh, the state of the New England Patriots uh, right right now I mean the, the two biggest things about the Pats are one, like you said, uh, what's going on with Mac, because this is the make or break year. Um, if you look at it like Daniel Jones last year, you either need to you know, think about whether you're going to be keeping this guy going forward or whether you're going to move on. And uh, I mean, I don't know how negotiations will go, of course, but is Mac a guy that's going to be getting 40 mil a year from the pads? Um, it's something that definitely needs to be taken into consideration. So before we even get to that point, has to have a good season first and i think they made the first step by bringing blb back um i think he's an excellent offensive coach uh he's G- he's a terrible gm <laughs> but as far as knowing how to work an offense and just him there without any significant power in terms of uh the big decision making i think he's going to be great um i think i love the additions that the pats made to the offensive co- to the coaching staff because um they've been getting poached for years now so the fact that they're starting to build that back up again is helpful especially since um bill is getting so much older and it sounds like they got the heir apparent and gerard mayo uh the defense is going to be excellent right like i'm so excited for the defense honestly that's the thing for me i think the defense is going to be elite i think we have like a top three defense um when all is said and done um so that's going to be what's like the focal point of the pats um they actually have you know some form of an offensive game planned out with an offensive coordinator and they'll have you know not great weapons but better weapons than last year you could argue uh ones that would fit better with the team um you know trading juju out for myers that's something that you'll you'll take at the end of the day um and then as far as special teams goes because obviously that's something that's very important with the pads that was probably the worst part about the entire team last year so hopefully joe judge moving back over to that side of things um, along with Cam Acord, who absolutely sucked this year, last year um, in terms of getting this team prepared, considering they had like historically bad special teams this year compared to what the past do. And then also when you look at like the two t- returns that Naheem Hines had and, and stuff like that, mm. um, there were just so many situations where they were unprepared and undisciplined, and that's not Pat's football. So that's what I'm look- most looking forward to this year, seeing that improvement from Mac. Hopefully uh, – you know, the Pats and him can uh, make that bond a little bit more fortified and 
they have a solid year looking forward. I mean, I think the Pats can definitely make the playoffs. AFC is very difficult. AFC East is obviously, you know, probably the toughest division in the NFL. But I think that the Pats can, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but I think they can make the wild card again, just like they did a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, they actually have a staff again. Yeah, I think I think that would be contingent on one or two of the teams in the AFC East underachieving, which Miami and New York definitely can. I don't think Buffalo will. I think Buffalo is still going to win 11 games at a minimum because, you know, you have the franchise quarterback there. I mean, Rodgers is still, is still good, but I have no idea what he's going to look like in that system. I've seen super teams, quote-unquote, fall apart very easily. Um, the Dolphins, it's all contingent on Tua's health. If he can stay healthy, I think they're a good team. If he doesn't, then you've got whatever Skylar Thompson, whoever, leading the way, and that's just not going to cut it no matter who you I mean, we saw it last year. No matter if you have Waddle and Hill out there, it doesn't matter. If, if you've got a, a sub subprime quarterback uh, or, sub, you know, throwing, not, maybe not, yeah, maybe a subpar whatever quarterback, throwing the football. It's just not, not going to happen. Um, so I do agree on their defense. I think the defense is going to be nasty. Um, but I'm a little – little concerned about the offensive line still. I really don't think that they did much to improve it all that greatly. Um, I still think there's some holes there. And while I, you know, I don't necessarily disagree that it's a make or break year for Mac. I think in a, in a vacuum, yes, but I'm also not entirely convinced that they've given him enough to succeed. They brought back Bill O'Brien, which is, which is great. That's, that's a real coach. So that's great. That's, that's fine. But I, I'm still not entirely convinced that they've given him this great set of weapons. Juju is an improvement over Myers, but he's not a significant upgrade. He's not a number one wide receiver. They still don't have one of those. They have a bunch of good players or solid players, and you have like three <laughs> like tight ends who really haven't given you much or may not give you much, and you don't have that typical... James White in the backfield, yeah, you have Ramondre, which is fantastic, and, you know, they're very lucky to have him. But you need to hope that one of these young running backs also pops off, and then you have like, the next James White, Shane Vereen, Deion Lewis out there, which is what something else that's been integral to this offense. Um, so, Dave, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on the Patriots here as we uh, evaluate the state of, uh, of New England? Uh Clearly the worst team or the weakest team in the AFC East. I think that's pretty obvious now with Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Definitely because, on paper, for sure. Yeah, for sure on paper. I mean, I don't, no one knows once the season starts because everyone thought Denver was going to be amazing last year. But I have a question for you guys after you, Dave, regarding that. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's... Even if you don't love Aaron Rodgers, they're, the Jets are most definitely a better team on paper than the Patriots because I think they went like 0-7 and games where they didn't score 17 or more points something that degree and even with Aaron Rodgers probably not being what he was five years ago he's much better than anything they've had in the last five to ten years Mark Sanchez is probably like their their gold their poster child for what they want a QB at this point because they just had nothing since right and I don't know I, I think even with Tua kind of like 50-50 if he can play a full season and how he's going to handle everything and if he takes another hit, what happens to him, which God, I hope he's okay mentally and healthy and he walks away healthy at the end of all this, but um, and obviously, like, the Bills, 
we just have no chance against them. I think that's been pretty obvious for a while now. But I think you guys both said it. The defense is going to be awesome. They've gotten a lot more athletic, a lot younger. They're going to really miss McCourty. First time in, what, 15 years, they're not going to have him, 14 years. So it's, it's going to be a big adjustment, and you're going to see a really interesting next year and a half because you have Judon's contract winding down. I think he's one year after this, so he's going to either want an extension or something. You have Duggar, who's a free agent. You have Uche, who's a free agent. You have a couple free agents coming, uh, a couple of uh, younger guys coming in. You have some more draft picks next year. That you're going to want to fill up with on defense to get more athletic. You just you have Lawrence Guy possibly retiring. You have Matt Slater on special teams possibly retiring after this year. So this year is going to be really interesting because you're starting to transition into that younger team. This is what they did when they had Gronk and Hernandez, and they started trying to you know transition their offense and they transitioned their defense eventually to you know Daron Harmon and Dev McCourty and Dante Hightower and Chandler Jones, and they slowly integrated all these younger guys. That's kind of what they're going through right now. So if they're able to hit on a couple of these guys and help the defense, and all of a sudden you can help the offense next year, and you slowly start building a younger team, a more athletic team, you know, I, I think we're heading the right direction. Now, Max is a big part of that. We'll see. If he doesn't do it this year, not really a lot of excuses this year. You have full offseason with Bill O'Brien, and you have enough weapons. I wouldn't say he has great weapons, but, you know, every QB doesn't get Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle or Justin Jefferson or anyone like that. I mean, even if we got Hopkins, he's not what he was five years ago. He's maybe a top 25 receiver, but he's not a top 10 anymore. So it's, you know, it, it is what it is. You, you have enough weapons. You got Kasicki, you got Smith-Schuster. I think you have enough weapons to work with, with Bill O'Brien, and, you know, we'll see. But it's it's going to be an interesting year. What was your question? What's your uh, question, Brennan? Oh, um, like, I, obviously, I think the Pats are the team with the most holes in the division by far. Um, but, like, do you guys really believe in all of the teams in the division? Because for me, like, as far as I see these teams, and, again, I think that, the AFC East is the best division in the NFL by far. I think all these teams are good teams, but just breaking it down, Jets, like teams like that, you just don't trust. They're complete garbage franchise in terms of ownership. And I mean, just look at what the Nets did. I mean, that's a perfect example. You see these teams that build these, uh, you know, super squads and whatnot. They don't have the front office or the fortification to back it up. And the second that the first sense of, uh, you know, adversity comes up, it all crumbles. And you got a diva like Aaron Rodgers who didn't have a good year last year mixed with a team that wasn't that good. And, I mean, I think that, you know, they're going to be a lot better, but what is the ceiling with that team? I think also, I mean, they could be a team that's regular season heroes where they win a lot in the regular season, but Aaron Rodgers has proven plenty of times that he, you know, doesn't play his best in the playoffs. And the Jets... All the guys that they have there right now, pretty much none of them have been there before. Uh, as far as the Dolphins go, Tua is ex like extremely concerning. I think there's no chance he he gets through a season, and there's no chance, like literally zero percent chance. Um, their defense still isn't that good. They did make some good, you know, draft picks in regards to that. Um, 
and they're also a team that you know you need to see it to believe it they've got all the you know the, the fast cars and the shiny toys and whatnot but they've never put it together and as far as the bills go as far as i'm concerned they're, they're, they're massive chokers mm-hmm. i think that's they're, they're the best team in the regular season best team in the division by far definitely but as far as i mean i think they're contenders still of course don't get me wrong but they're another team where it's like you've choked so many times at this point that you kind of have to prove otherwise before you get that that extra attention now because they were the darlings of this past season yeah and you know fell flat on their face and they do it in pretty traumatic fashion like you obviously have the 13 seconds game you have the complete dud against the Bengals. And then if you look at it in terms of, you know, just games overall, they're not good in close games. Um, you know, they had that Vikings game this year too, some crazy games like that. Loki kind of giving Celtics vibes compared to what we've been talking about. I was I was about to say them. I think I think we're more like the Bengals, though, honestly. Because the Bengals uh, yeah. the Bengals have at least gotten to a Super Bowl. That's true. That's I, true. I I would say we're the the Celtics are more like the Bengals. Um yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I just want to. I can see what you mean. Like, yeah, no, I, I mean from, yeah, from from my perspective, I think you know I kind of touched on it already. The Bills, I do agree with you in the playoffs, but purely talking regular season, they're still definitely a major threat. Um, they're, they're the team in the regular season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, once you get to the playoffs, yeah, it's a different animal. Unless they're playing us, of course. Um, unless they're playing the Patriots. I agree with you though. I mean, the, the Jets and the Dolphins—they're really in—they're an on-paper thing. On paper, they're great. They have—they have a lot of talent. They have—you uh, know—they have some pretty solid coaching. I think maybe not excellent, but solid coaching, and all that matters. All that is great. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, notoriously loves playing with young players. <laughs> you know, he doesn't get mad at them at all if things don't go his way. Um, I, I think. Yeah, I think people might be overrating the, the the pack. You know, the, I'm a city of the Packers, the Jets. You know, chances. I think they're definitely better. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you go from Zach Wilson and Mike White to Aaron Rodgers, you're probably going to be better. But like Dave said, you know, everybody thought the Broncos were going to run roughshod last year with Russell Wilson, and they they were horrible. Um, but yeah, and then the Dolphins. You know, we've all said this already, but it all comes down to Tua. I mean, they are extremely talented. They have a lot of really, really strong players on that roster. Maybe the best one-two punch, you know, you've got, you know, it, it, it's between offense and defense. Like, you got really, really strong players. And Waddle Hill, you know, it's, it's a really strong roster. But again, like I said, if Skylar Thompson's throwing that football, you're in trouble. Two, on the other hand, really accurate, really strong quarterback. I think people underrate him when he's healthy. But again, that's a really really enormous Florida-sized if, if he's healthy. So, you know, if things track the way they're supposed to, then, yeah, the Patriots are the worst team in the division. But we know the NFL season is very long, full of ups and downs for these teams. And, yeah, could the Patriots shock some teams? Probably. I still think their best-case scenario is a wild card and second in the division. But I would take that with how strong, as we have said a thousand times now, on paper, the AFC East is. So, uh, Dave, what's your read of that? About specifically the AFC East? Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, mean, you want to be positive. (laughs) And I, I would say this. 
I think the ceiling for the Patriots is probably 11 and 6, maybe, I would say. And then the, the floor is probably like 6 and 11. I don't think they ever get to a point where like they're 4 and 13 and they're the number one pick. Right. I think you're probably some. That defense is going to be so good that I think the floor is probably actually seven wins. Seven and 10, I think, is the floor. They were eight, nine last year. And the schedule is pretty significant this year. It's going to be it's going to be tough this year. But I think when you look at it, if everything comes together on offense, Bill O'Brien makes some adjustments and the offense clicks a little bit more. And I, I, I think people need to take a step back on this, too, because Bill O'Brien's a good coach. But, like, he's not a miracle worker. He's not going to come in and you're going to score 50 points a game. Like, the players are going to need to step up a little bit here. And Ramondre Stevenson was great last year, but he's going to be even more important this year without Damian Harris. You're putting a lot on his plate because you're relying on James Robinson and Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong and whoever else you decide to throw back there. Maybe Ty Montgomery eventually, but... You can rely on Ramondre Stevenson a lot. You can rely on Smith Schuster and Gesicki and Hunter Henry. Or, and or the Patriots could tank for Caleb Williams. They could. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> he's he's an awesome talent. Let's just uh, suffer this year, and we'll get the prodigy next year, and everybody can get go be angry. It worked. About it. it worked for Cincinnati. It did work for Cincinnati. It did work for. They got the local kid too. Yep. It did, it worked for it worked for the Colts twice until Andrew Luck retired, <laughs> but it worked for the Colts twice. Um, all right, but that that's that's uh, I didn't realize how how long we were we were running on on the Patriots, which as much as I love talking about them, they will trust me. They'll have their day in the sun with this podcast. Um, a lot of Patriots talk to get to a lot of it, and uh, I don't want OTA start. I think it's in a couple of weeks, but then we have training camp. We have the preseason. We'll do our previews, all that good stuff. But let's close up shop today talking about the only team in town playing actual organized games until the month of August, the Boston Red Sox, who, as the Nesson graphic I saw a few, you know, about half an hour ago, showed uh, they are one game better than they were at this point this year. Pretty much all their stats are the same, give or take a few points here or there. The major difference is their starter ERA is about a run and a half higher this year, uh, which if you've watched the Red Sox play, you would understand that, yeah, that, that, that tracks. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so Brandon, I guess who have been the best players in your opinion on the Red Sox this year, who are the guys that have really made it worth watching this team and what have been some of the bigger disappointments so far for the Boston Red Sox? Uh, best player by far has been Corey Kluber (laughs) Uh, going out there every day, giving up at least six, seven runs. Um, you gotta respect it. I mean, it you takes do. a lot. Really. I'll, I'll tell you what, he's nothing if not consistent. Yeah, I do feel bad for him because he was obviously such a great pitcher, mm. but he's clearly done. Clearly, cooked. he was on a uh, hall, he was on a Hall of Fame track, and he has uh, done nothing but go off the rails of that track. Yeah, but I mean, as far as yeah, his career is, you know, unfortunately looking like it's coming to an end. Um, biggest, so, so that's been you know. Biggest disappointment. I, I, as far as, you know, elsewhere goes, I think that 
there hasn't really been any major ones. Uh, I mean, Devers is someone that you want to be seeing a little bit more consistency from. He had a really good start. He kind of cooled off for a bit, but I have zero uh, concern about Rafi at all. I'm not even going to like complain about that. He's going to get his stats. He's still going to be, you know, doing his, his thing. He's still going to be, you know, a fairly clutch player. He had a clutch hit tonight even. Um, all right. And then as far as biggest uh, surprises or things I'm happy with, one, of course, is Chris Sale. Mm. Great to see him back. Great to see him pitching well again. Great to see that he, you know, is looking like a competent pitcher. Um, because that's been something that has been so iffy over the last, like, three years, legit. That where you don't know what you're going to get from him. You don't, obviously, for a year and a half-ish, you didn't even see him play. So to see him back and, you know, doing well, that's huge. Uh, Kenley Jansen, uh, he had a, a rough patch for, you know, two or three games. But I think he's been very good. Um one thing that I'm really happy about is that they have, an, like, like they have an actual closure again. It's been a long time since they've had a legitimate closure, someone who's defined in that role, where you know that he's getting the ball in safe situations nine out of ten times, and the only time he's not is when he's like in a rest, situ- rest situation. Um, so I think Kenley's been good. Uh, my guy Yoshida, he's been a little bit streaky, but love him. think he's been doing very well. Uh, obviously, he's got such a huge change going on this year, just not even thinking about baseball and the changes in terms of the style and how baseball is played in America and different pitchers and players and all of that. But just thinking about the culture difference of moving from Japan to the U.S. and just going through that complete shift. Uh, he's adjusting really well. Justin Turner, I love. I think he's doing really well. I think he's doing a really good job of being in the locker room, um, which also reminds me that um, another player who definitely belongs on that disappointment list unfortunately has to be my guy, Kike. Love mm. Kike. He's a uh, had a pretty pretty hasn't hasn't exactly been put in a spot to succeed yeah yeah um i mean and also you have to i i have to give him credit for he went into the season he's like hell yeah like i'm a shortstop i'm gonna i love the confidence from him um and i think things will even out if he's playing there more innings even though hopefully within the next month or so story's gonna i should say month or two uh story's gonna be back and he won't have to worry about that anymore he'll be playing all over the place uh, same with Duval, who uh, started his rehab assignment tonight in uh, Worcester. So I should see how that went, actually. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's what I'd say overall. Biggest disappointment is probably Kluber and uh, Kike. Can't remember who else I said if I did say someone. And then biggest things I'm happy with, uh, Sale, Kenley, Yoshi, uh, Yoshida, and uh, Turner. Dave, what's your uh, what's your what's your evaluation of the Red Sox the first uh, fifty five games here, into the season? Uh, they've been better than I thought. <laughs> Pitching has been, as expected, absolute garbage. Um, bent the bullpen has been solid at the back end and questionable in the middle, which is I feel like kind of just every team in baseball. So I'm not really too worried about that. The thank, middle thank God they didn't keep Nathan Navaldi. That would have really made him worse. <laughs> the middle innings are always kind of suspect so i don't really worry about the, that stuff um your sheet has been awesome they look like they're about ready to rub in everyone's face that everyone's talking about how bad the signing was but again we got to give it i'd say probably a year and a half with a guy like that because the first year people are going to be adjusting the whole year him too he could be even better next year but true you have to give yeah really have to give a person that's coming to a complete new country learning a new language, playing with a completely new league, new players, 
I think you got to give him a year and a half before you even decide remotely close to what he could be or what he is. And then, I don't know, I mean, the young guys probably haven't taken the leaps that you wanted to, all of them included, not just Casas, not just, you know, maybe Wong has been probably a little bit better than you thought with the bat because, to be honest, it was kind of a zero basically everywhere else he's been. Yeah. But um, I know Jake bit his tongue when I forgot to say Casas. Casas is, is obviously that disappointment group. I forgot. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think when you look at it, there's not a ton really you can say about this team. Like, yeah. It's just like, there's nothing exciting right now with this team. Like, no. Yoshida's yeah. been good. He's hitting like close to 300, but Devers is 250. Casas yeah. was the young guy you're supposed to be happy with. Bayo is supposed to be great, and he's been pretty good the last few starts and not great tonight. I don't know. It just, this team doesn't really get me excited. There's no, I, there's no spark. There's yeah. no rookie bats. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I think that that's really what drills down into it the most is that I just don't, I don't have fun watching them. And it's, you know, maybe I just need to give it a few outings, see if there's something I can really grasp onto. But, and I love watching Rafi. I think Bale really has the potential to be something great. I like Whitlock a lot. Um, and, you know, Verdugo's got a lot of heart, and they've got guys who have heart. But, you know, the worst place to be is in the middle, and that's where they are right now. They're not terrible. They're not like the A's where you can talk about them because they're that bad. They're not the best team in baseball. You know, they're not the Braves. They're not this really amazing squad with so many powerful hitters and finesse players and incredible starting pitching like the Braves have. But they're not terrible either. They're just in the middle. That's where they are. They have, have good nights. They have terrible nights. And I know that's par for the course in baseball. You're going to lose 50 and win 50 pretty much every year, even if you're garbage or if you're excellent. It's going to happen. It's what you do in the other 62 that matter, as the famous quote goes. But they're just middling to me right now. And that's, I'd say they're about what I expected. I think I expected them to be 500, maybe 80 and 82, and or maybe finish 83 and 79, somewhere like that. But they are a middle-of-the-road team. And I'm sorry, I don't see where they're going to go to improve the roster. I mean, they're going to be in a situation where they don't know if they're going to sell or buy at the deadline unless they go on some torrid streak in June and they end up being, you know, like 10 games above 500 or something. But I think they're going to end June where they're ending May, which is probably within two or three games of 500 either way. And the thing about this offense is that when it slumps, the entire offense slumps. Everybody does. I know tonight they had that nice comeback, but they still lost because their pitching gave up nine runs, which is something they have done in spurts all season. And you may be able to afford that if you were in the AL Central. If you were the, I don't know, Kansas City Red Sox or something like that, you'd be better off, but you can't afford to do that in the at least. It's just you're going to be behind the eight ball before you get to the all-star break. So right now, I don't really love the situation they're in. You know, if you're asking me who have been the biggest surprises, Verdugo, I think when nobody mentioned Jaron Duran, he's fallen off recently, but even if, you, if he stopped playing this year right now, he'd still give you way more than I ever thought he would this season. Um, uh, Whitlock, uh, it wasn't really a surprise. I kind of expected this sale. I think Brandon, that's spot on. I did not expect three or four good starts in a row from Chris Sale. I don't know how many people did. 
Uh, Kenley Jansen's been you know, a pleasant surprise. I expect him to be good, but he's been like you know a, a really act like you know actual living breathing closer. Uh, Josh Winkowski, another guy who's been sort of a surprise, maybe a revelation in the bullpen. He's tapered off a little bit recently, but definitely more than I expected him to give you out of the pen. So they've had some interesting players. They've had some solid players, but they 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 just lack that quality of what makes a team interesting to watch. And you know you'll still watch them because they're your team, but it's not something that I'm going out of my way to sit down and watch because you know. I know people don't like to hear it. I know the natural reaction is move on, move on. It's been three years, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, you, you don't have a Mookie Betts. You don't have a – I know Mike Trout doesn't have a lot of personality, but you don't have a Mike Trout. You don't have a Shohei Otani. You don't have an Aaron Judge. You don't have a guy like that. Rafael Devers is the closest thing to it. But And, and I love watching Rafi, but he's just – I don't know if he's on that level of those guys, really, that kind of transcendent level of superstar that you go to see. And we'll go to see him because he's Raffy. But I just think that they, I think the best word to describe them would be just kind of blah. That's just kind of how I feel about them. And that's how I felt about them in the beginning beginning of the season. So two months in, not a a whole lot has changed. But, you know, and I will say, uh, yes, Brandon, I was biting my tongue on the uh, Tristan Cassis part because, yes, I understand it's early. It's only been two months. Yes, he's still adjusting. He's 75 games into his career. But I think even – I think people will tell you they expected more than this from him to start the year. I mean, everybody was touting him as this incredible prospect, and yes, he might take time to come around, and maybe he ends the year on a hot streak, and he's great next year, and I look like a fool, which, you know, that's happened plenty of times before, so I wouldn't put it past me. But I think people expected a hotter start than this. So I think he definitely does belong, even you know, objectively, in the disappointment category so far. Love Yoshi. Very fun to watch him play. He's definitely one of those guys. He's probably one of the most fun players to watch on the team. I don't think that's really even up for debate. But, uh, yeah, if you had to ask me where I think they end the season, I think I would pretty much be in the same spot I was when I started the year. Probably somewhere within three games of 500 either way. They won't sniff the playoffs, and we're pretty much right back where we started uh, in whatever it is, December of 2023 or January of 2024. We're pretty much back where we started. But that's how I really feel. I know those points were so amazing. I just, I think I blew both your minds. I understand. <laughs> I mean, we, I think we covered a lot of it. Um, yeah. As far as Costas goes, I mean, I think he deserves the, the grace of having some, some like, like definitely more than two months. But I agree with you. He's definitely a disappointment at this, at, at this moment. Um, the thing that I will say about him is, I mean, he, he works the count and he gets on base as far as walks go. He hasn't been able to hit for, for anything. And hopefully that does come around because he's a, a big prospect in that organization. And that's a massive hole that they're looking at in that team. Um, as far as things to look forward to, um, when Duvall and Story get back, I mean, I think they can make the noise on that in that respect. Um, yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to both of them. Um, Story has been rehabbing in Florida. And again, as I said, uh, Duval just started his rehab assignment in Worcester tonight, and he's been trying to get back for that June 9th Yankee series, he's been saying. And obviously, wishful thinking, but if he can get back to at some point around then, plenty of season left to, you know, make something happen. And I think they could crack the playoffs. Again, I'm not expecting, you know, they're not contenders. They're not in that level at all. Um, I'm just hoping 
know that they can make something fun of this. I think one of the reasons that this team hasn't really been fun to watch as far as I think that I've been enjoying what I have been able to see, even though I can't see a lot because of them not being on YouTube TV anymore. But for the perspective of them not being, you know, super fun to watch, I think some of that affects that is the starting pitching because in so many cases right. they're down by a lot early. Right. Uh, tough to come back in those games. So, yeah. you know, some form of consistency can go from the rotation, get Kluber out of there in some way, shape, or form, whether it's long reliever or whatever. I think they said that they're going to move him to a long reliever. Um, something to mix that up because, you know, I don't even know if they have five starters as is. And, like, between the guys that they already have in the rotation, Kluber's definitely not one of those guys. So, mm-hmm. hopefully that will help a lot. New. It's okay to admit some of the signings aren't aren't working out, and uh, Kluber just that flyer just not didn't work out, and you can definitely criticize them for letting guys like Evaldi go for pretty affordable contracts. I mean, they're just lucky that pretty much every team outside of the AL East, except for the Rangers, has been a disappointment this year. Like pretty much every team. That's pretty. It's yeah. Like there are a lot of bad teams outside the AL East, so that'll help the Red Sox. Their biggest issue is that, uh, you know, so to speak, the calls coming from inside the house. The AL East is a brutal division to be in, and they could very well find themselves out of a playoff spot because literally every team ahead of them is better. So that that could be a problem. Um, but I guess we'll see where it goes. But we are. Uh, we're up. We're up against it. The producers telling me it's it's t- the producers telling me it's time to shut it down. Um, Brandon, any any final thoughts on the state of Boston sports? No, I think we. <laughs> yeah. We're just we're we're shining lights of positivity about Boston sports. Dave, any uh, any final thoughts? Um, no, I've been kind of. Over the course of the day, when I have a few minutes here and there, I've been trying to compile a list of where I think Jalen and Tatum are, just to give myself oh, a yeah. refresh on, yeah, refresh on where they stand. And I don't know, still, still top twenty-five to thirty for Jalen and top ten for Tatum. So yeah, I agree. Still those guys. I agree. I think they're still those guys. They're that guy, pal. They're those guys, pal. They're those guys. Well. You can follow us at CSL Podcast on Twitter. And until next week, uh, you guys have a good one.